welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is Monster Kid Radio. This is episode 637. We are fresh off of our appearance at Rose City Comic Con 2023. And I cannot wait to tell you all about it after I tell you who I am. I'm the writer, host, and producer of Monster Kid Radio, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. We're kicking off this episode of the podcast with another really cool song. This is Creepy Crawler. It is from the band Mark Malibu and the Wasegas. You can find them at markmalibuthewasegas.bandcamp.com or look them up on Facebook or Instagram or just go to wasegas.com and check out the album Haunted Hot Rod Beach Party. They, of course, gave us permission to play their music here on the show. I dig this album a lot. I know I talk about the surf bands that we play here on the show as one of my favorite things about Monster Kid Radio, discovering new music. Well, I can safely say, and I, I mean this, Mark Malibu and the Wasegas, one of my favorite discoveries through finding music to play here on the podcast. So please go check them out and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Not only do you get some awesome music, but you also get a five, or excuse me, six chapter mini audio drama very well produced sounds awesome almost as awesome okay it's just as awesome as their surf music so again go check them out when you get a chance are you done listening to this episode of the show well what's coming up in this episode of the show we have got a lot to get into of course we've got mark natsky's beta capsule review for all of your ultraman needs as he continues his journey through the series the return of ultraman and We've got Kenny's look at famous monsters of Filmland as he takes a look at that historic, iconic magazine. But we also have some feedback. This email comes from William H., and that's not the first time you're going to hear his name in this episode of the podcast. He writes, Listening to Monster Kid Radio number 551, and you mentioned having a hold on your knowledge of sci-fi of that era. Some good shows could result from filling that hole. One could be Big Bug Classics and BEMs. Also, you must revisit Forbidden Planet. These old shows really help pass along 12-hour security patrols, so keep up the great shows and keep an old fart busy at work. William, thank you for writing in. And, you know, back in episode 551, I think I did have a large role that I do have now when it comes to 1950s science fiction. But, you know, um, I'm always looking for more stuff to watch. The show's been going for 10 years. But there's still so many awesome movies out there for me to explore and discover and discuss here on the show. I don't see Monster Kid Radio going anywhere anytime soon. Thank you for writing in. I appreciate it, William. And again, like I said, listeners, you're going to hear his name again later in the show. Because during the panel, the 10 years celebration of Monster Kid Radio, a decade of dishing about monsters, we read some questions that came in from listeners of the show. Williams was one of them. We did not get a chance to get to all of them, so stick around because at the end of that panel, I'm going to come back on and I'm going to address the other questions that were sent in from listeners of the show. So you get a little bit of a bonus. So even if you were at the Rose City presentation, you're still going to get something new in this episode. Not counting, of course, Mark Maskey's excellent beta capsule review and Kitty's look at famous monsters of filmware. I also wanted to mention that it has been pointed out to me that the Monster Kid Radio YouTube channel is kind of a mess in that a lot of the episodes are listed there out of order. 
and some of the really, really early episodes just aren't there at all. I'm looking into that, seeing what I can do to maybe reorganize how that YouTube channel is presented. I'm not quite sure how easy that's going to be, but I'm gonna take a look at it and take a crack at getting that kind of sorted out so it's a little bit easier to navigate and find older episodes. I will say that once I realized I had the capability to upload episodes of the podcast directly to YouTube, which I feel like we're going to have to start doing anyway because Google Podcasts is going away. But when we started uploading episodes directly to YouTube, it was kind of scattershot what I was able to upload right away and what I had to work on. And unfortunately, at that point, anybody who was subscribed to the Monster Kid Radio YouTube channel got a notification that 50, 60, 70 videos all went up at once. And I'm sure it really kind of clogged up your subscriptions on YouTube. If you're a YouTube user and subscribe to Monster Kid Radio, please do. By the way, it really helps me out long term, especially again, like I said, Google Podcast is going away. So that's one less outlet where you're going to be able to find Monster Kid Radio. But I'm told that Google Podcast will be replaced with some sort of YouTube music application or site or functionality. I don't know all the details yet. Once I learn what those details are, I'll share them with you here. Heck, if you know what those details are, please share them with me. You can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 360-524-2484. I'll go over that again at the end of the episode. Of course, that's also on our website at monsterkidradio.net. Okay, I am ready to go. I'm going to give Mark Malibu and the Segas a break as we get on to the rest of the episode. But don't worry, we'll be back here at the end of the episode where you'll be able to hear their awesome song, Creepy Crawler, in its entirety. But first, we have the rest of the show. Oh, and hey, by the way, once you hear the recording from Rose City Comic Con, there are a few places where it sounds like nobody's talking. Trust me, people were talking. It's just that we were listening and we didn't have a microphone in the audience the way that we wanted to. So if it does go quiet, just sit tight. I'm going to reiterate or repeat what was presented from the audience so that you can hear and follow along. Just bear with us, okay? Okay, let's get on to the rest of the episode right now. Prepare for a spine-chilling odyssey like none other. Step into the chilling realm of On the Backburner, the bone-chilling first installment in the Solemn Judgment series by Derek M. Cook. Arturo Banks, an unsuspecting student at Portland State University, is about to embark on a journey into darkness. Unearth the supernatural, the eerie, and the perilous secrets that await him. Brace yourself for the beginning of a sinister 10-book superhero saga that will haunt your dreams. Are you prepared to walk beside Arturo into a world of unearthly terrors? This version of On the Backburner is only available for a short period of time. It's the exclusive 2023 convention edition, and if you wait too long to order, you'll miss your chance. Don't let this chance to become part of the adventure elude you. Fight the darkness. Order your copy now at tinyurl.com slash solemnbackburner or look for On the Backburner on Amazon right now. On the Backburner by Derek M. Cook. Act quickly, for the shadows are closing in.
will freeze as you watch a warped scientist become transformed into a godless beast when his bloody scalpel probes the forbidden secrets of a woman's flesh. In Atom Age Vampire, you will flame for the stark ritual of a beautiful girl's last searing dance as tragedy forever mars her loveliness. Leaving her to face a world of terror. I give you my word that I will restore your face. Restore all your beauty. You will cringe as the demented doctor experiments with a girl's trusting innocence. But to possess the living miracle wrought by his twisted genius, he must forever sacrifice his soul to the cunning gods of evil. I'll transplant directly from another human being. A mad creature born of the atomic age, now shackled to a world of rotting bodies and violent death. A sadist, a criminal, a depraved animal, more ferocious than Jekyll, more monstrous than Frankenstein, more bloody than Dracula. <laughs> Fire a volley through the window pane. You will gasp as lust and madness stalk the dark and screaming night in Atom Age Vampire. All autumn, the leaves change colors and begin to fall. The kids go back to school. Pumpkin spice becomes its own food group. And little ghosts and goblins are on the streets begging for candy. But something sinister awaits. Back in the woods, among those dead trees, sits a foreboding, dilapidated manor. You can't resist. You must go inside and return to... The House of Franklin Stein. Did you hear that? I heard that. What was it? Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. The Supermates Podcast presents four spine-tingling episodes covering your favorite classic horror films featuring these iconic stars. Griffin Dunn and David Naughton. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. Bela Lugosi. I am Dracula. I bid you welcome. Claude Rains. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. <laughs> And Peter Cushing. I can hear his voice. It's in your own mind. It's just has to be true. Plus, your favorite superheroes versus classic monsters. I understand your concern, Mr. Wayne, but I don't think you need to worry that Wayne Tech is responsible for this invisible man. But I seem to remember last year hearing something about an invisibility project. Visit fireandwaterpodcast.com or your favorite podcatcher for the 10th annual journey into terror at... The House of Franklin Stein. Not available in pumpkin spice flavor. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Return of Ultraman, Episode 30, The Cursed Bone God Oxter. Original air date, October 29, 1971. Becoming lost on a hiking trip, Ken and Jiro Sakata are taken in by a hermit they meet outside a shrine in the woods. 
The shrine is dedicated to an ox deity, but before they can ask too many questions, the hermit discovers two other lost travelers looking for shelter. They are university folklorists, apparently looking to collect local stories. After surviving an overnight earthquake and speculating about its origin, the hermit leads the group to inspect a valley of animal bones. They are the remains of water buffalo, and the academicians, against all advice, remove a skull for study. This hastens the appearance of Oxter, a fearsome kaiju which rises from the marsh, vaporizing the bone thieves with its toxic saliva. The skeletal monster then pulls the hermit down a well to his doom. Ken and Jiro escape, notifying monster attack team, whose response is met by the full fury of Oxter. Its corrosive projectile spew causes catastrophic damage to the Arrow fleet, leaving Go no choice but to become Ultraman to engage Oxter in a fierce underwater battle. The cursed bone god Oxter offers a change of pace in the form of an Ultraman-style ghost story. The first segment sets the tone with lots of fog, claustrophobia-inducing dense forests, and grisly on-screen deaths. It's a moody start, and only later does one realize that it plays out without the appearance of a single MAT member. After the first commercial break, it's a far more conventional episode, made memorable by the creepiness of Oxter and an inventive transformation into Ultraman scene. As a ghost story, it follows a standard don't disturb the bones plot, but that results in sympathy for Oxter, who is merely defending the family graveyard. This is neither the first nor the last time Ultraman and his human colleagues would express regret over having to dispatch with a monster, a thoughtful touch that reveals the conscience and heart of our heroes. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Mansky reporting. Sometime in the near future, when we least expect it, they will come. Five million years to Earth, cities will burn. Mankind will panic. Our world will tremble. When it occurs, you will see men turned killers by mysterious power. I wanted to kill you. Why? Because you are different. Women will be defiled by the invaders from outer space. It's Barbara. She's the one. It could happen in your lifetime. See five million years to Earth before it's too late. discovers a world turned upside down where humans run wild in the jungles and the superior beings are apes planet of the apes a fascinating civilization where apes build the cities and control the laws charlton heston roddy mcdowell kim hunter and morris evans star in planet of the apes hello there monster kid radio heads this is kenny with a look at famous monsters of Filmland. 
Today we are hearing a Rose City Comic Con panel entitled 10 Years of Monster Kid Radio. I thought it would be appropriate to look at how FM celebrated its 10th year. Famous Monsters number 1 was dated February of 1958. Its 10th anniversary fell on FM 48, which was dated February of 1968. Was this milestone acknowledged? Frankly, no. It starts with one of the ugliest FM covers, a photo of a Don Post mummy mask wearing Santa Claus superimposed over a black and white comic page, a far cry from the usual classic covers with top artists like Basil Gogos. Inside, there is no editorial from Forey, no mention at all of FM's 10th birthday. The usual two-page fang mail section was limited to one page near the end of the magazine, and again, no mention of FM's 10 years of existence. The issue is only 66 pages, with 17 pages of Captain Company catalog. The other 49 pages included a six-page preview article with mentions of future films like Valley of Gawanji and Five Million Years to Earth, a slew of films that never made it onto the screen, as well as brief title mentions of the 1968 classics 2001 A Space Odyssey and Planet of the Apes. After that, there is the first of a two-part film book of The Ghost of Frankenstein, with a whopping 26 pages and 32 photos. An original comic story, probably reprinted from Creepy or Eerie, is next, with the story of a Hollywood special effects artist with an evil secret to his success, and how he gets revenge on an even worse producer. It all involves a realistic Tyrannosaurus Rex. Finally, we have a look at the Boris Karloff thriller, The Sorcerers, with six pages and eight photos. The only other regular feature, the mystery photo. So, to sum up, FM's 10th anniversary was not a big deal. You get the sense that this was a low point for FM, with no editorial, few pages, and not much fan interaction. The political atmosphere and film culture of the time was changing in a revolutionary way. Monster kids were growing up and giving up their childhood loves for more adult pastimes. Perhaps that led to a lowering of quality for famous monsters. Here are two letters from the fang mail. One reflects the general state of FM for some fans, and one that harkens back to issue one, but again, no mention that famous monsters celebrated its 10th birthday with this issue. Your mag is getting to be a time and money waster. Too disgusting to even talk about. Get rid of headlines from Horrorsville. Already done. And articles about makeup artists. Undone and unlikely. Too popular with the majority. Bring back the graveyard examiner. Can't. Buried too deep. And for Pete's sake, stop covering movies like Horror Hotel, etc. If the new movies are so crummy, cover the good old ones. Island of Lost Souls. The Black Cat, etc. Your mag, or should it be rag, had better improve, or I'm canceling my subscription and spending the money on comic books. Just make sure there are companions, creepy and eerie. Alan from West Roxbury, Massachusetts. From Mike in Zebulon, Georgia. What did the first issue of FM look like? The first issue of FM looked like a winner, as time proved it to be. Against a blood-red background appeared a young lady escorted by the publisher in a tuxedo and Frankenstein mask. 
Karloff, master of the macabre. Now in a new high-voltage shocker, the Sorcerers. Today's youth are the victims of his thought control. He commands. They must obey. They live to it. They love to it. They kill to it. The Sorcerers in thrilling Eastman color. References have been made to Yeats, Hawthorne, Sophocles, Descartes, Goethe, Schopenhauer, Melville, Hemingway, and others. Its beauty moved Charlie Chaplin to tears. The Saturday Review called it an extraordinary masterpiece that challenges some of the assumptions which have dominated serious writing for a hundred years. It has been called the motion picture of the decade. It may turn out to be the film of the century. Stanley Kubrick's 2001, A Space Odyssey. From MGM. Yes, the microphone does in fact work. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Let's give it up for the microphone. No? No? All right, well, it is 5.01. We were supposed to start at 5 o'clock. I am going to blame the monsters in the machine for being one minute late. This is Monster Kid Radio Live ish. I mean, we're alive, but it's Monster Kid Radio Live, a decade of dishing about classic monsters. Monster Kid Radio is the name of my podcast. We are the Pacific Northwest's only podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. What does that mean? It means we talk about the Universal Monsters, the Godzilla films, movies of Ed Wood, Roger Corman, American International, the so-called so-bad-they're-good movies, and the really good ones as well. We love classic monsters at Monster Kid Radio, and we've been talking about monsters on Monster Kid Radio for 10 Years As of last night, we released episode 636 of the podcast. We are a weekly show, and, uh, you know, some people have said that we're going to run out of material to talk about at some point because, well, they don't make classic monster movies anymore. But I don't see us stopping anytime soon because there's so much to talk about when it talks about loving these movies and how they relate to us as fans now. I am the writer, producer, and creator and host of Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook. I've been podcasting for 15 years. Uh, with other podcasts under my belt, but Monster Kid Radio is definitely the longest-running show that I've ever done. I have won awards for Monster Kid Radio. We received the Silver Bolo Award from Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, we received the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Award for Best Multimedia. And I am a member of the Monster Kid Hall of Fame, all due to what I do with Monster Kid Radio. Monster Kid Radio would not be nearly as fun if it's just me blathering on for an hour or so every week about monsters. So I bring guests to the show every week, and I'm going to introduce the people that I have here on Save Me with, with me right now, starting with the lovely lady to my right, who is my partner in all things, my wife, Beth. Say hi to the crowd. Introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Beth Cook. Nice to meet you, and nice to be here for a 10-year anniversary special episode of Monster Kid Radio. Um, I came on board with Monster Kid Radio about a year and a half ago. When uh, we started seriously dating, and I have to admit, I had always loved the classic monsters, but I have a whole new appreciation for them, seeing them through Derek's eyes. 
Who else do we have joining us today? To my immediate left is somebody who's been on the show quite a bit off and on over the years. He's a fellow podcaster, a fellow creative, fellow writer, fellow fan of Robert E. Howard, David Heath. Thank, thank you. My name is David Heath. I'm on the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos as one of the hosts. I'm also known as Farmer Dave because we record part of the show on a working goat farm. There you go. And then all the way down at the end, we've got somebody who has been with the podcast from the very beginning. Episode number one was recorded live in front of an audience. A lot smaller than this building. It was a smaller convention that's no longer here anymore, and I'd like to think we closed it out. It might have been our fault. But Chris McMillan from The Shadow Over Portland was on episode number one, and I'm thrilled that he's here for our 10-year anniversary episode. Chris. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um as Derek said, I am the writer and publisher of The Shadow Over Portland. I do weekly updates. Um, I have a horror sci-fi fantasy calendar. And what I do is just try to list as many of the horror sci-fi fantasy events, whether they're conventions, repertory movies, uh, you know, revival movies, um, whatever. If, if, if it's got something to do with horror sci-fi or fantasy, I'm putting it on the site. Now, I do have links to the Cthulhu's Guide to the, uh, I'm sorry, the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos and Shadow Over Portland over on my website at monsterkidradio.net. I do have some flyers and business cards up here on the stage. Please feel free to come on by and grab some before you leave today. We also have some Monster Mash fruit gummy candies that I can't eat because I'm diabetic. So I'm going to give them to you guys. So come and grab some of those as well before you leave. Uh, one thing that we really wanted to do with this particular panel is I want to give everybody an opportunity to win some prizes. You see some pumpkins up here on stage. They are stuffed full of Monster Kid Radio swag, stuff from the Monster Kid Radio vault. And we're going to do that in the form of some monster movie trivia. I've got some trivia questions. We've got a handful of prizes. And Beth and I were kind of brainstorming, trying to figure out the best way to pick people to participate. <laughs> what do you want to do here? Well, I think you could ask first for a show of you know volunteers i need some victim uh, volunteers <laughs> for people to participate in some monster movie trivia i'll probably ask you to come on up front to make it easier for us to uh pick your brains i mean uh ask your questions <laughs> and and go from there uh does who wants to participate in a monster movie who wants trivia? to win fabulous monster prizes come on, come on up. up to the first row here come on up everybody. grab a seat in the first row if you want to win some fabulous monster prizes you can come over here from the, you know, the beer garden too we we've got plenty of stuff here for people to enjoy. prize packs have dvds in there music posters um comic books all kinds of good stuff in there one of these has a collection of the universal monster movies one of these has a boris karloff collection that's true there's some really cool stuff in, in here and beth curated these <laughs> Uh, over the past couple of days and made them look amazing. So yeah. come on up if you want to play some monster movie trivia. Should I go ahead and ask a question now? Anywhere in the front row, yep. And you can ignore my stuff there. I moved my camera. <laughs> Are you interested in playing along with the trivia? Excellent. Yeah, we, need, we need five players. So Oh, here's one more. I we think. got one more? All right. Perfect. Okay, so I think the best way to do this is I'm going to ask a question. I don't have a buzzer. I'm not going to ask you to yell. Just throw your hand up, and I'm going to rely on Beth. I'll watch to, for hands. To pick you, the, uh... the fastest draw. <laughs> All right? All right. Let's start with something. Uh, you know what? 
Monster Kid Radio, when we first started, I used to tell people that the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio were Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, and John Agar. In fact, our very first slogan for the show was that Monster Kid Radio is where Boris Karloff was king, uh, John Agar rules, and Bela Lugosi still lives. Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, I mean, they're mainstays, they're standards, right? They did so much for monster movies. How many films did they appear in together? Who has a guess? Who has a guess? What do you got? All right. Three. Uh, more than that. Not quite. Of, of the five that we selected here, anybody else want to take a guess, Mary? Fifteen? Uh, we overshot it <laughs> a little bit. Um, what do you want to do here? Well, I can add one more. I okay. got, I got, I got, got enough for six. What do you think? Five. Five. Unfortunately, that is incorrect as well. What was you want to venture a guess? <laughs> uh, six. Six. Unfortunately, that is also incorrect. Is it? How many then? Uh, they appeared in eight films together. Eight. Mm. Oh, eight so films. close. Okay. Uh, mm. A number of them were for Universal. I'll go through the list. The first one was The Black Cat. Then they mm. also appeared in Son of Frankenstein, The Body Snatcher, The Raven, Black Friday, The Invisible Ray, You'll Find Out... And then a movie called Gift of Gab. I've seen all but one of those. I've not seen Gift of Gab. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah it's, but, but I love all the other ones. So, what is a monster kid? Do you guys want to tackle this? What's a monster kid? Just anybody who loves the old monster movies and uh, looks at them like you, you know, even though I look at them and watch them and sometimes feel like I'm a kid again sitting or at an old black and white TV, of course I've got better TV now, um, watching something with commercials and trying to adjust the rabbit ears to get it to come in clear. You know, anybody who, who watches these types of movies and relives their childhood through them, no matter how old you are, you're a monster kid. That, that's it, and the word I focus on is kid. And it's not because I live on a goat farm. It's because, <laughs> you know, most of my happy memories, not all of them, I've got happy memories now, are when I was with a child, when I was a child, when I was sitting on the couch with my cousins and we were watching these movies, sitting on my dad's lap. And it is not only my childhood, but my adulthood. And it's what makes me feel young. It's these horror slash even not necessarily scary, but it's the feeling that I felt when I was a child and I was watching these for the first time. You want to add anything, Beth? Um, I think for, for me, I also had a family member who I enjoyed watching them with, which was my paternal grandfather. And he and I also shared a love of theater. And he used to say that the classic movies, like the Universal Monsters and you know the old black and white films, are to movies what Shakespeare is to theater. They are the formula. They are the first, you know, professional, really complete uh, examples. And so everything else takes from there and then moves forward with it. If you look at almost any monster movie today, you can trace it back to one of those original six or seven movies and characters. That's true. So traditionally, a monster kid is somebody who grew up in the 70s, painting Aurora models, watching black and white television to catch those monster movies and that sort of thing. I'm not of that generation. I'm Generation X, but I still consider myself a monster kid for all of these reasons. 
you know, discovering these movies when I was young, falling in love with them, and now whenever I watch them, there's that sense of instant nostalgia that just grabs me, and I fall even more in love with them. Even something as so-called, so bad as good as Manos, The Hands of Fate, I just can't help but love these films. <laughs> and they can't help but love you. Oh, well, that's, that's nice. Manos never texts me back, though. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm getting ghosted by him. Well, you know, that happens. But it's so nice, you know, being a monster kid and being in a time where Manos, the Hands of Fate, got a Blu-ray restoration. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I never got a chance to see it um, until I got it in a Mill Creek collection. And for the longest time, I thought they were in, um, you know, the master and his brides were in a cave. <laughs> no, they were outside. But I couldn't tell because it was a really lousy print. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just having that, being able to have that in your collection forever is just wonderful. So I know how Chris found Monster Kid Radio. I invited him to be on episode number one. I know how mm. Beth found Monster Kid Radio. I started dating her. I didn't date you. <laughs> how did you find Monster Kid Radio, David? <laughs> so it was... 2017, 2016, and it was the Lovecraft Film Festival. Not the film festival, the con they had in the hotel in March. And I watched these people, and they did these panels, and I said, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and now that I'm 50-something, and I'm almost an adult, I'm here. Oh, I'm never growing up. I've decided against it. Yeah, we're going to make sure the word kid is emphasized and in bold every time we talk about Monster yes. Kid Radio for that very reason. Uh, we talked a little bit about how we are monster kids, you know, discovering these movies, that sort of thing. I feel like asking another trivia question. What do you guys okay. think? Go for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So some of the most important monster movies are the universal monster movies. Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, The Mummy, that sort of thing. But there was one that kicked it all off of that pantheon of films for those that we've chosen or whatever and you know at this point throw up your hands or whatever which movie came out first Dracula with Bela Lugosi or Frankenstein with Boris Karloff 50-50 shot no yeah your hand was up already so yes Dracula that is correct very good Dracula came out first and then later that year after Universal saw that Dracula made a boatload of money, let's go and do another one. And they did Frankenstein. And uh, that, they were off to the races, man. They, they were... It was the up. Barbie of its day. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about some of our classic monster movies and how they impact us. And... Uh, you know, I'm going to lean back and let one of y'all kind of lead that conversation off here. What favorite classic monster movie, how it impacts you and informs you as a fan? Well, I'll, I'll start. Um, my favorite's usually the one I'm watching at the time, but just recently there's been a restoration of the 1950s science fiction classic Invaders from Mars. Hmm. That, I had to get that DVD because that was the very first monster-type movie I ever saw. I was about three years old, sitting in my grandmother's 
basement watching it on her giant console black and white TV. And it scared the living you-know-what out of me. I mean, I was three years old. I was not sleeping that night. My mother was very upset about that. If she had known that was on, she probably wouldn't have let me watch it. Um, but for years after that, I didn't. I couldn't bring myself to watching it again because it's like, is it going to be as good as I remembered it? You know, as I remember it in my head. And um, finally, I broke down. I was at Movie Madness. It was um, a DVD release on the shelf, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna buckle down and watch it. And I still enjoyed it. I also didn't realize it was in color. I'd seen color pictures from the movie in books, but I'd always seen, I only saw it in black and white, so I just assumed it was a black and white movie. No, yeah. color, really good. And if you get a chance to get the restored DVD, or the restored Blu-ray, so worth it. But yeah, that was my, that, that was my introduction, and that's gotta be my fave. Well, you, David. So if you ask me this question, it's like, what's your favorite food? Tuesday, the answer is going to be lasagna. Thursday, it's going to be enchiladas. They're going to be honest, but they're going to be different answers. And so I struggled on this question because I knew it was coming. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and literally it came to me like this voice, King Kong. And the reason why it's place is I remember watching this with my grandfather at his house the first time. And this man who at the time was ancient to me, became a child. And that was this, I had never, se I had never seen this in my grandfather before. But then I watched it again by myself. This is a good movie. How did they do that, you know, at the time, 40 years ago or, or 40 years before? And it is, it's, the pulp movie it's the monster movie it's symbolic and i love biplanes <laughs> nice what about you beth do you have a favorite so i guess i have two favorites but they involve the same monster okay and they're okay. very different um my first is abbott and costello meet frankenstein uh i love abbott and costello movies my other grandfather used to watch those with me all the time, and he, uh, let's just say, closely resembles Lou Costello. <laughs> I can vouch for that. I can vouch for In that. In stature and hilarity. Uh, so I, I always loved that one. And then more recently, I've come to have a love for The Bride of Frankenstein, not because of The Bride, but I really love the portion where he's with the old man, and they talk about what friendship means, what self means, and you know, what it is to discover yourself as a being. That's, that's really a phenomenal discussion tucked in the middle of a monster movie, you know? And some of the themes in there, I think, have a lot to tell us uh, in regards to things that are going on in society today. So much so, because you asked about how it affects our lives now, that the haunted house I'm currently uh, putting together for PDX Scaregrounds is a Frankenstein-themed haunted house with multiple surgery wards and based off of another movie, Frankenstein's Armies, which, which is a great uh, movie for you to check out. So yeah, I do have a special love for Frank and then, uh, of course, after him, the creature. 
is uh, my number two favorite. Yeah, and anybody who listens to the podcast for more than five minutes knows that Creature from the Black Lagoon is my favorite film of all time and sound full stop. Mm-hmm. I love Creature from the Black Lagoon so much. It is an adventure film. It's got a great monster. I was in love with, for a very long time, the leading lady from that film, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, I just love Creature, the music, the way it looks, the way it feels. I'm kind of mourning a little bit because I didn't get a chance to go see it at the Joy Cinema, who was just playing it this weekend, or this last week. In 3D, which is the way to see it. Uh, But it's such a phenomenal film, and I can't help but look at all monster movies through that Creature lens. With the exception of this past showing, I used to tell myself there's a rule by which I live my life, and that is, if Creature from the Black Lagoon is playing anywhere within a 50-mile radius, I gotta go. But life got in the way this time around, but it'll be back. It keeps coming back all the time. I'd love to know if anybody else has any favorites they'd like to shout out or share with us real quick. Yes, sir. The Wolfman and Alvin and the Chipmunks meet the Wolfman. I love that. That's awesome. Alvin is one of my favorite monsters, too. (laughs) What about you? My favorite movie monster of all time is Godzilla. Godzilla. Mm-hmm. I have been sharing a lot of Godzilla movies with my wife uh, over the past year, and uh, she hasn't had a lot of experience with them, so it's been a lot of fun too. Oh yeah, she loves Mothra. Mothra's amazing. So yeah, Godzilla's a good one. But I also really like the cr- many, many crossovers that we've seen over the years, uh, whether it be the Chipmunks or the Scooby-Doo gang or. You know, whoever getting Abbott and Costello getting to interact mm. with our favorite Universal monsters. But now I want to see Scooby Doo meet Godzilla. That's what I want to see. The Scooby Doo gang versus. Row. Row. <laughs> oh, it'd probably end up the same as Bambi meets Godzilla. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That is a Christmas classic. Yeah, at yeah. our house. <laughs> no. Either of you have a trivia question you like to throw out? I've got one. Dealing Did with it? the creature. Um, Creature from Black Lagoon and its follow-up, uh, Revenge of the Creature, had um, a stand-in doing the underwater scenes for the leading ladies, both Julie Adams and Lori Nelson. Anybody know who that was? Wow, Chris. That's a well, big cut. That's good. Yeah. That, that, that's deep. Maybe too deep. <laughs> that's deep a fan as, question there, as, yeah. As deep as the Black Lagoon. Yes. <laughs> Well, well, who was it, Chris? Um, her name was Ginger Stanley, and she was a mermaid at um, oh. Wikiwaki Springs okay. in Florida. Um, they have mermaid shows. There was, you know, they build a stage with glass windows looking over into the spring, and people would come out with um, with breathing apparatus. It was just basically a tube they were shooting air through. And would perform in mermaid costumes. In fact, Wikiwaki Springs is still open. Um, so if you're ever in Florida, for whatever reason, check it out. It's kind of fun. Okay, I've got one. You, you want to throw Great. one in there too? Why okay. not? Why not? Let's do it. The movie, the movie, A Thing from Another World, is based on what John Campbell short story? Oh, I think his hand on yeah, first. Yeah, that's correct. Who goes there? <laughs> thing from Another World, which. Chris, that's one of your favorites as well, right? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Thing from Another World is a fantastic film remade later by John Carpenter. It's The Thing, mm-hmm. uh, which then had a prequel. And yeah, yeah. And, and a great short story. Yeah. <laughs> good, good question. I like that. 
So I want to call this section of this presentation everything you wanted to know about Monster Kid Radio, but we're afraid to ask <laughs> and kind of open this up to questions, not just from the audience, but I actually asked some of the listeners of the podcast as well. I'm going to kick off with one of theirs. I printed it up. I'm going to ask Beth to read me the question, then I'll answer it. But start thinking about some questions you'd like to ask us as well. Take the one from the All top. All right. From Monster Kid Radio listener William H., how much did famous monsters of Filmland have on your monster kid or influence did famous monsters of filmland have on your monster kid childhood or were you more influenced by fangoria starlog or other mags so for me uh, i was more of because i'm generation x i did not fully embrace my monster kidness in full until much later so i did grow up with starlog magazine mm. and fangoria in particular i was not allowed to watch r-rated movies as a kid which of course made them forbidden fruit which meant every time i went to the magazine mm. rack i sneak in peeks at fangoria magazine and it's your cousin gorezone magazine and i would always pick those up and as soon as i was able to start renting mon you know, movies on my own at the, at the video store Reading all the R-rated monster flicks, all the Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween's, and all the other slasher flicks that my mother would be rolling her eyes loudly uh, hearing me rattle off the titles of. Uh, so yeah, I was more of a Starlog, Bingoria guy uh, until I realized just how darn cool these classic monster movies are. And now, yeah, I'm all in as a monster kid. But I can still go off about Jason Voorhees for quite some time. <laughs> All right, from Monster Kid Radio listener Kevin S., how much does Monster Kid Radio rely on nostalgia? Do you feel you need to more incorporate more modern material to balance things? Um, and is there a risk of your audience aging out, or are there enough young folks who enjoy movies made so long ago? This one's tough, and I would love to get some impact from, me, from the rest of the panel as well. Yes, I think sometimes it becomes more, especially now as studios are combining into various mm. streaming conglomerates, it's getting harder and harder to find some of these movies. Um, and a lot of the, the really good ones, the classic ones, are held up in weird copyright situations. I love I Was a Teenage Werewolf, I Was a Teenage Frankenstein, but you'll never see that on disc because it's just the people that own the rights to it are sitting on it and won't release it. Um, so it does become more and more difficult to find the movies. People get older. You know, well, and, maybe they'll yeah. die eventually, and then they'll be released. Wow. Ooh, that's dark. A little haunted house humor there for you. Yeah. We go dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do we bring more people into the fold? Well, I think one thing that we do on Monster Kid Radio, and Chris, is, you've been part of this because we've talked about the Monster Squad quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Beth and I just recently talked about The Last Voyage of the Demeter. There are movies coming out that tap into the classic monster tropes that we grab onto. And I... I, I hate to say it, but sometimes I feel like that classic monster movie-ness, I kind of know it when I see it. Makes it hard to define and, and point to, but a lot of the movies out there have that connection, so I justify talking about it on my show because it's my podcast, my rules. Marvel's Werewolf at Night. Marvel's Werewolf at Night, which is getting a color release this season, I believe. Oh, yeah. They're colorizing it because, well, they can't shoot anything new because of the strikes. And, yeah. Uh, you do what you got to do. Yeah, well, you haven't checked out Werewolf by Night yet. Definitely check that one out this uh, Halloween season. Yeah. I, I was going to say holiday season, because for us, that is the holidays. Yep. But, yep. <laughs> but yes, Halloween season. All right. Well, you so, know, so, one thing, though, oh. is all the way up until about the 80s and the 90s, every film student class, you know, rediscovered the Marx Brothers, Abbott and Costello. That's not happening now. 
as much because there is so much media. And so it's kind of a mixed bag that there are so much other choices, so more shinies, that some of the things that even 30, 40 years old was still presented to us as youth, you know, growing up in the LA market because there was nothing else to watch on Saturday after, you know, the cartoons ended and you didn't like sports, you know, that's what we watched. And so there are people, so it's a mixed bag because there is so much more, but it's there in ways more accessible. I think I agree with that. And my hope is because things are more accessible, that gives the chance for the younger generation to find those things. Although I still see both as a kind of top of the age bracket millennial myself, and then I have two daughters who are late teens, early 20s. And, you know, things that they watch. Uh, There's a cartoon show on Disney that's The Owl House, which is all about a human girl goes to another dimension, and every one of the classic monsters and their sidekicks Mm -hmm. are all represented in there. So clearly there is, you know, some desire for it. And there have been movies all through the last decade, like Frankenstein's Army, you know, that are just the classic monster in a modern setting. So I, I think there's the willingness to look at those things, it just takes maybe some of the older generation presenting it and learning to do the TikToks or, you know. I find it interesting too that historically, right or wrong, monster movies, horror movies were always directed at boys. It was a boys thing, the girls were watching whatever and the boys were watching their monster movies. But I just saw a trailer for not just the first, but apparently it's a sequel, a Monster High movie, where there's a bunch of girls based on the classic monsters, Draculaura and all that. Yeah, whole line of dolls. They were like $30 each. My my daughter had a face of that. Creepy Barbies, yeah. I feel like I need to watch those movies, and yeah. (laughs) Another nice thing, especially living in the um, Pacific Northwest, there are lots of theaters that do repertory, you know, revival stuff um it kind of faded away during covid a bit and a lot of these theaters started doing first runs but it's coming back um the hollywood theater is terrific at it i remember going and seeing mothra in 35 millimeter there the nice thing about having these movies in the theaters again is people are bringing their kids to see them you know that mothra was Full. I mean, it wasn't sold out, but it was really full, and there were a lot of kids in the audience. Um, That's great. Same, yeah, same thing catching Creature from Black Lagoon in 3D there. Uh, lots of kids. You know, parents are bringing their, their kids to see these, and I think that's going to keep... Um, that's going to keep these classics and sometimes not-so-classic movies alive. Well, and the nice thing, if you are a parent, I remember when my girls were young, and it was like... Three quarters of the movies were just brain-numbing nonsense, yeah. gobbledygook, nothing. And, and then you get about a quarter of the shows like Sesame Street that had something good to say. But movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon and, and the Frankenstein movies and most of these, they, they're family-friendly. The language is appropriate. The, there isn't too much sexuality. You know, they're, they're an easy way to have a movie that appeals to the adults but is appropriate for the kids. So, yeah, it would be. It's nice that they're coming back into theaters, and I hope people will support the local theaters, like the Hollywood and the Joy, yeah. or the Liberty, or the Kiggins, if you're up in Clark County. Yeah. Does anybody have any questions out there? Yes, sir. See if I could have lunch with a special effects artist. 
who would it be and what one question would I ask them? Uh, I would probably want to go all the way back to, to Pierce, to Jack Pierce, who did the Universal stuff. Um, he was the guy that spent hours and hours and hours with Karloff in the chair or Chaney in the chair, designing the makeups for the mummy, Frankenstein's monster and all of that, the Wolfman. And I would probably just want to ask him about what it was like spending that much time with those men and what kind of stories he must have heard and could then relate or stories of his own just spending that much time with these people. So that, that would be it for me, I think. That, that, I'm assuming he's a monster kid. Jack Pierce ranks pretty high for most of us. Yeah, <laughs> but um, if I was to pick you know, one special effects artist, be Ray Harryhausen. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, I'd, I wouldn't even want to ask a question. I just yeah. want to listen to him and, and listen to him tell his stories about how he worked, you know, the, the, the children's, children of the Hydra's teeth, you know, and stuff like that. Just, if I could have lunch and listen to him, I would be a very happy person. So that would be my official answer deep down in my heart that I'm not going to tell you that I am going to tell you Ed Wood <laughs> it would be it would be hey Ed I want to make this movie how would you do it and I bet he would go off for hours yeah um, I think for me it would be uh, less about a single person and more like bringing lunch in and getting to sit in in either the costuming department mm -hmm or the props and decor department, because back, especially when things were done in black and white, there was a whole science with the colors, you know, like the, um, the Munsters, for example, their living room was actually various shades of pink mm -hmm. and green, which not what you'd probably pick out, but in order to make it look correct in black and white and gray and get all the gradients, you had to balance all of that and balance what people had on their bodies as well and what went on their faces. And I'm really fascinated by that color science. So I would love to go back and learn from those individuals. So we've got about 10 minutes-ish left. So I want to kind of skip ahead a little bit to what I've got written down here. One thing that I just want to do that I feel is very, very important to mention is that since Monster Kid Radio launched in 2013, we've lost a handful of people that are mm. important to the show to the genre. And I just want to mention just briefly Julie Adams, who was the female leading creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, Veronica Carlson, who was one of the leading ladies of Hammer Films. Uh, we lost both of them. Veronica Carlson, not too long ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I also want to mention Akira Takarada, who was in a lot of the Godzilla films. And then specifically for Monster Kid Radio, uh, we had a couple of listeners who contributed to the show that I just want to mention real quick. Paul Curtis, who came on to th the show to talk about like serials and cliffhanger films. And Tim Durbin, who we lost not too long ago as well, uh, succumbed to cancer. Uh, he was on the podcast weeks before his passing. You could mm. tell he was having a hard time talking and breathing. But darn it, he wanted to talk about monster movies. He loved them. <laughs> Always and a monster kid. Taught, Tim was a really good guy. And uh, he, I have a file on my computer I refer to as the Durbin file. <laughs> Uh, because he made a list of basically every classic monster movie he could find. Uh, genre, who was in it, director, length, what language it was in, sent it to me. It's like a 500-page Excel spreadsheet. It's nuts. But wow. I love it. And uh, Tim and Paul, rest in peace, as well as Julie, Veronica, and Akira Takarada. So 
just want to kind of mention them because we did lose them during the production of Monster Kid Radio. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to get too maudlin. Let's do another trivia question. What do you guys think? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Hey. All right, so we've talked about Lugosi and Karloff being the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio as well as John Agar, but there's somebody else that we talk about a lot, and that's Vincent Price. We absolutely love Vincent Price on Monster Kid Radio. He's done a lot, and for some reason or other, a lot of his movies have the word house in the title. I just want to know how many movies, house movies, Vincent Price made. Just another number. Yes, sir. One, two, three, four. A little bit more than that. Somebody over here? Nine. No. Who, who else? Uh, Mary. Mary? Twelve. No. Unfortunately not. Yes, sir. Yes, it is eight. Okay. Eight. Wow. Eight. So, Bloodbath at the House of Death, House of the Long Shadows, Madhouse, House of One Thousand Dolls, House of Usher, House on Haunted Hill, House of Wax, and the House of Seven Gables. Uh, Vincent Price is uh, a gem, and I've been fortunate enough to have his daughter, mm. uh, uh, Victoria Price, on the show a few times, and she's just fantastic. So, like I said, I feel like we're starting to run out of time. I want to make sure everybody has a chance to talk about what it is they do, kind of do some self-promo and maybe talk a little bit more, just Monster Kid rapping, chatting a little bit. Let's start down there with Chris. Okay, as I mentioned, I um, write and publish The Shadow Over Portland. Um, it's a, I do reviews, I, not as many as I'd like to, thanks to my day job. Um, but I also do... A, Excuse me, I also do opinion pieces and such. But the main thing I do is keep a calendar of all the sci-fi, horror, and fantasy events that are happening. Um, I mean, I've got movies, cons, um, stage shows, um, everything listed on that. I do a weekly update um, you can find on Facebook. Um, you can find the blog itself at um, shadowoverportland.blogspot.com or just Google the Shadow Over Portland. I'm, I'm, at least last time I checked, I was the only one. What about you, David? Um, so, I, like I said, I'm part of the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos uh, with D.B. Spitzer and uh, Gretchen Martin. And we're going to be doing a panel Sunday at noon. It's going to be horror and science fiction. One of the things we're going to talk about is how in the 50s, horror and science fiction were almost synonymous. Uh, but we'll also throw in questions like, is alien horror or is it science fiction? As well as maybe sharing sometimes we think that it didn't quite mix as well as it should have. <laughs> I like that. Where can people find the podcast? Um, so it's on uh, Podbean, but quite a few places. But uh, just Google the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, DB has been doing quite a bit of old uh, public domain shows. We're going to cut down on that some and do more focus on the actual show. We usually have a guest where we discuss a topic of the mythos, and then finally we discuss a movie. And it's really interesting. I really enjoyed the three of us now, especially that Gretchen added because... It gives us a little bit more rational than this, the two of us talking. But it, it's, a, it's a, I think, a very good show. I'm biased. It's a good show. Monster Kid Radio approves. <laughs> Beth, you already mentioned Scaregrounds PDX. You want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, Scaregrounds PDX, which uh, is currently housed at Oaks Park, Oaks Amusement Park, which is more than 100-year-old. 
uh, amusement park in downtown Portland is going to be open starting October 6th every weekend through the first weekend of November. Uh, five total haunted houses plus side attractions plus all the cool rides open at night, which is something special all on its own. And uh, we'll have links on... Actually, I will have links for your page that have a special coupon code, so you have to go to Shadow Over Portland if you want to save a couple bucks. But yeah, see us at Scaregrounds. We're going to have all kinds of different monsters this year, and it is going to be a very spooky time. So... MonsterKidRadio.net's the home base for what we do on the podcast. But since Beth and I have gotten married, we have combined our forces for good-ish, good. Uh, we are now also Team Death, uh, D-E for Derek, T-H for Beth, Team Death. She calls it our amazing race name. Uh, so TeamDeath.com also has a link to Monster Kid Radio as well. And we're going to be doing a lot more with Team Death as well as Monster Kid Radio. Looking forward for the podcast, we've got some themed months coming up. Uh, in November, we're going to be talking about nothing but vampire movies with Nosferatu November. Mm. We're going to be talking about Blackula with Dominique Lamsey's or Monster Kid Radio, yeah. a regular, uh, who could not be here today. She's in Colorado. But we'll be talking about Blackula as well as a few other vampire films. And then December, well, we're changing the name of the month to dino December. We're going to mm. talk about nothing but dinosaur movies. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be touching on Harry housing a little bit uh, in December as well. I know Robert Kelly is lined up. He is the man behind the Record All Monsters podcast to talk about the movie Dinosaurus. Uh, that'll be fun. We've talked about it once before on the show, but after 600 plus episodes, I think it's okay to double dip. Valley of the Mungwa? <laughs> I love Valley of Wanji. Valley of Wanji is fantastic. Yes. Uh, and then with Team Death as well in association with Monster Kid Radio, next year we're going to be moving into doing some audio drama projects as well, some original stuff. Chris, you want to? Think it's okay to talk about what oh, we're doing? Oh, go for it. Yeah. Chris has written a script for an audio drama, which is like an old-time radio production of Manos, the Hands of Fate, except he made it <laughs> scary, and it's good. I hope it's scary. Like it should be. <laughs> so we're going to see uh, a Team Death, Shadow Over Portland, Earbones Audio production of Manos, the Hands of Fate coming out next year. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about that. If I go down there, should we do prizes? Let's give some prizes away. Uh, we also have some other Earbones audio drama productions coming up. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to check out TeamDeath.com. We're also getting our YouTube channel kind of built up a little bit. And to piggyback on one of the questions that came up earlier, we also have a Twitch channel where we show monster movies for free. And there's a chat window there as well. It's the only time I'm going to encourage you to talk during the movie is the chat window <laughs> over on our Twitch channel. As of right now, we're showing nothing but Lon Chaney movies, Lon Chaney Jr. films. We're calling it uh, a chunk of Chaney. We're showing 12 hours <laughs> of Chaney productions on a loop. It's all public domain stuff, but because of that, it's some stuff that maybe you've not heard of before. Some of his detective stuff or film noirish type stuff, as well as things like The Indestructible Man, because that's just a cool flick. So... We've got that coming up. Beth is going to hand out uh, some of the prizes to the participants of our trivia questions. Uh, and while we're wrapping up, is anything else you two would like to say or add? I think you no. got it. No, I think I think that that's pretty much sums up. I think the question. Oh, we do have a question though. Yes, sir. Lady Frankenstein. That's a good one. <laughs>
Yes. So I, I've heard this as well. We are coming up on an anniversary for Frankenstein. And there are like three Frankenstein days on the calendar, according to certain people or whatever. The date it was published, the date the movie came out, Mary Shelley's birthday, whatever. Uh, I'm not aware of anything official, but it's hard to say official because the novel is in the public domain at this point. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do anything yeah. they want with it. I will tell you, and I haven't announced this anywhere, Monster Kid Radio will be doing uh, a, a Frankenstein month next year. February will be Frankenstein February on Monster Kid Radio. So we're going to take a look at a ton of Frankenstein media in February of 2024. Uh, I mentioned this last week on the show. I wish I had this quote so I could tell you where I read this. But I once read there are more films based on the Frankenstein story than there are on the Christian Bible. That wow. there's more Frankenstein <laughs> movies out there in the world than movies about yeah. All right. Well, you can all join so. us on Monster Kid Radio this February or even Oop. this month yeah. and learn more about that. Now, we got prize packs for everyone that participated, but we did have one person that with five points uh, definitely won. So with a awesome creature from the Black Lagoon shirt and some alien socks, we have... Andy Skull. Woo! Good job. Thank you all for playing. Uh, please come by and pick up some of those Monster Mash candies. Like I said, I can't eat them, so please <laughs> take them. I don't want to take them home. And please check out the podcast. We got flyers, we got business cards, and uh, we'll have those down at the table. If you see us around at the con, please feel free to flag us down and talk monsters with us because uh, you know I love doing that. It's been a pleasure being here at Rose City Comic Con. Thank you, everybody. When this dead hand moves, the monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. <laughs> to shock women into uncontrolled hysteria. Elizabeth! To prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about, the spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions. Frankenstein. Don't touch that! Stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. The most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea, raging with pent-up passions. Making every man his mortal enemy, every woman's beauty his prey. Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
in 3D, starring Richard Carlson and Julie Adams. Every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you. A universal re-release, rated G. Vampires, werewolves, zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. running out of time at Rose City Comic Con, and I had a couple of other questions that were sent in, and I just want to go over those real quick. First of all, Robert Kelly from the Record All Monsters podcast asked, what advice would you give to someone who wants to podcast? And my advice would be, just do it, man. You can record for free. All you need is a microphone, and really, content is king. If you don't have the best sounding equipment at first, that's okay. If it's listenable, people are going to listen. The key is to have something worth listening to. Now, I talked a little bit about my background and my journey to where I'm at now as a podcaster in a previous episode. Check the archives for that. But even if you want to podcast about something that there are other podcasts out there already covering, it's okay. Because it's your point of view people are downloading a podcast for. It's your take on the material. So I would say just do it, no fear, dive in and have zero expectations of hitting it big right away. Because really, the whole point of the kind of podcasting that we do is to build community and find our tribe. And I have certainly succeeded in that in 10 years of Monster Kid Radio. That'd be the advice that I'd give to anybody who is looking to get into this podcasting game. It's a lot of fun. Also, Reaver Clark, friend of the show, composer, Monster Kid wrote in, when considering classic monsters and classic monster movies, what's the cutoff date? Would Alien qualify? Would In the Mouth of Madness? What are the distinguishing factors to be considered, quote-unquote, classic monsters and monster movies? And again, I think I talked about this in a previous episode, and if I didn't recently, I'd go ahead and get into it again now. I used to consider 1968 as the cutoff, the soft cutoff. And the reason for that is... Well, there's one reason, but it's kind of twofold, and that is that 1968 saw the release of Night of the Living Dead, which pretty much served as a paradead or paradigm shift in horror cinema. Also, because Night of the Living Dead is one of those iconic zombie movies, and I didn't want to get into zombie movies so quickly again in Monster Kid Radio, since I had covered so many of them with Mail Order Zombie, I was kind of looking at that as my, my cutoff. But, as we discussed earlier on the panel, Rose City Comic Con, a classic monster movie, you kind of know when you see it, you know? So I did kind of broaden the definition in covering the Planet of the Apes films or some of the other movies. We've talked about the Monster Squad more than once here. Dracula versus Frankenstein. I've long said that anything with Vincent Price or Boris Karloff or Bela Lugosi or any of those cats, 
are always going to have a home here on Monster Kid Radio. So many Hammer film, quote-unquote, classics came out in the 70s. The Satanic Rites of Dracula, Dracula 1972 AD. Anything with Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee is going to have a home here on Monster Kid Radio for the most part. Would Alien qualify? Well, I feel like Alien is another one of those movies that defines or illustrates a paradigm shift in genre cinema. Alien is a beautiful example of a science fiction horror film. Science fiction horror, those are two things that we talk about here on Monster Kid Radio all of the time. But Alien did so much more than just kind of come out and be another monster movie. You know what I mean? It's it's an iconic film and it's gorgeous. Will I ever talk about it here on Monster Kid Radio? Probably not. I'll be completely honest with you. I feel like Alien does go a little too far away from the spirit or or the ethos of what we do here on Monster Kid Radio. Not that I just like the film. I do quite a bit. I just don't know if it's something that I would cover by itself. Would I cover it in conjunction with other types of movies? Sure. Would In the Mouth of Madness fit as a classic monster movie? I'm going to say no. Probably not. In the Mouth of Madness gets a little cerebral and a little too gooey. Um, not that I have a problem with gooey at all. Uh, <laughs> I grew up loving Tom Savini and thinking I was going to get into special makeup effects and making fake blood and learning how to do silly things like set myself on fire. You know, I, I was really into special makeup effects and thought at one point that was going to be part of the filmmaking path or career for me. I don't have a problem with that. Plus, I really like John Carpenter as a director for the most part. Some of his later output I didn't really enjoy as much as a lot of his earlier films. In fact, one of my absolute favorite horror films of all time is Prince of Darkness, one of his films from the 80s. I adore that film, but I certainly wouldn't talk about that on Monster Kid Radio either. I love those films. I love In the Mouth of Madness. I think it's a great Lovecraftian piece of cinema. Sam Neill is fantastic in it. I love the score. It's quite the mind-bending film. But is it Monster Kid Radio material? I'm going to say no again. It really isn't. As far as what is a classic monster movie, how do you define classic or distinguish classic? You know, it's tough. If it calls back to some of the icons or the iconography, like we talked about The Last Voyage of the Demeter. It's a Dracula movie. So yeah, we're going to talk about it here. Beth and I did end up seeing Renfield at one point, And well, you know, it had that connection to Dracula as well, but it's also a blood fest. I think anything super splattery probably isn't going to have a home on Monster Kid Radio in terms of what we look at for things to cover. It's tough. Again, you know, when you see it, I know what I see it. And in the end, it's my show, so I'm going to make the rules. And if I want to talk about something from 1975, like a Paul Nashy film, or as I have in the past, getting into the Planet of the Apes movies, or even some of the Godzilla films from the 70s, or even... I talked about the Gamera films from the 90s with Kyle Young ages ago. I think those are appropriate. Maybe some of it is about the mood. In the Mouth of Madness, again, great film. But it doesn't really end giving you any kind of hope. You know? It, it leaves you on a, on a disturbing note. And I feel like the best Monster Kid movies... The classics, whether it's Dracula, Frankenstein, or even some of the Hammer films. You feel like the heroes are going to get to live to fight another day. That there's some sort of success. Sometimes they end on downers, sure. But overwhelmingly, a lot of times, somebody comes out on top. Maybe even the monster is not as monstrous as we thought, as in the case of Frankenstein. The original, not what Hammer did or whatever. 
I don't know. It's a mood. It's a sense of safety when it's over. Not that I dislike movies that make you think and stick with you for a long time, but something like an alien or in the mouth of madness doesn't necessarily fill you with hope at the end, you know? So maybe that's the definition that I kind of go with. I know that's very vague and kind of nebulous. And honestly, I probably should have sat down to really think about this a little bit more before I answered your question, Reber. In fact, this is a question that I'm going to be mulling over for a long, long time. And you can be sure that it's going to come back up again here on an episode of Monster Kid Radio down the line. Maybe on a week where I don't have a movie to discuss or a guest to come on, I'll do another long-form essay or Monster Kid editorial where I talk about that. And it may be better to find it if for nobody else than myself. I appreciate everybody who sent in feedback and conversation topics for the panel by Rose City Comic Con. It means a lot to know that y'all were wanting to be part of the show, even if you couldn't have been there. And I hope you enjoyed the recording. And big thanks to Beth, Chris, and David for being part of the show. You know, I was about to cut back to the rest of the show, but Beth just came into the office and uh, she's kind of under the weather, so she's not going to get on the microphone. But when I asked her if she wanted to come on the mic and say what she just said to me, she said, no, but I can. So I'm going to take credit for it. Not really. It's all her. A good monster movie leaves you feeling as if you have conquered the monster without, and now you can conquer the monster within. I dig that. I like it a lot. And it sounds like maybe she and I need to write a book about that. Okay, back to the rest of the show. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the podcast. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for checking it out. Thank you for listening and sharing the podcast. You know, here's the thing. I know there's a lot of you out there that have podcasts, websites, Facebook pages, and Facebook groups. I don't mind you using the Monster Kid Radio Facebook group as a place to promote your own stuff especially if it's something that you think monster kids are going to dig. But I am going to ask you to return the favor, especially those of you who have Facebook pages that other people cannot come in and leave posts of their own on. Please consider sharing posts about Monster Kid Radio and the recent episodes on your own Facebook page or Facebook group. Or if you're on Twitter, please retweet the tweets. Check us out on Discord, Patreon, and Reddit. You know, we're all over the internet as much as we possibly can be. And I know we can get into other corners of the internet with your help. So please consider doing that. I know I said it a few minutes ago. I'm going to say it again. Thank you to David, Chris, and Beth for being part of a decade of dishing about monsters of the Monster Kid Radio live presentation at Rose City. And thank you to Rose City for putting us on the weird stage and giving us the biggest platform that we've ever had at a live event. The men a lot. I really appreciate it. And, you know, other conventions out there, Monster Kid Radio is available. Drop me a line at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call and leave me a voicemail at 360-524-2484. You can find this over at monsterkidradio.net. Oricon, I'm looking at you. I'm looking forward to seeing if any of the panels I suggested actually got accepted. And any other conventions in the area. You know, we love doing these live shows and live presentations and giving away prizes. Man, we gave away so many prizes at Rose City Comic Con this time around. And I know that some people really enjoyed it because I've seen pictures on Facebook of people showing off their prizes uh, since then. So, you know, again, I love interacting with y'all in person. So if you know of a convention in the area that can get us there and give us a place to get out there and talk about monster movies, draw me a line and let me know. 
MonsterKidRadio.net is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. It's all there. Links to our Facebook page and group and everything else that I mentioned. Plus, our Amazon affiliate link. So if you shop on Amazon, please consider using the Amazon affiliate link because it helps us out a little bit. If you haven't picked up the Return of Ultraman yet, follow the link to do that because you're going to want to keep up and pay attention because Mark Batsky is just knocking it out of the park every single week when it comes to his beta capsule review. Of course, you're going to find links to the band as well, and I'll talk about that here in a moment. Also there on the website is where I typically list what's coming up next week. And tentatively, what's coming up next week is a conversation with fellow Monster Kid, Monster Kid Radio, a regular, and author, Brian Clark. Brian has announced that he's got a new book coming. It's a novelization of a public domain... Can we call it a classic? I think we can call it a classic. The movie is from 1959. It is Beast from Haunted Cave from director Monty Hellman, producer Gene Corman. Yeah, this is a Corman joint. Stars Michael Forrest and a whole bunch of other cool cats. He's got a great monster. And Brian Clark has written a novelization of this book. He's going to be launching it here soon. He's going to come onto the show to talk about the movie. And we're going to talk about the book as well because I'm a fellow writer and I always love talking to fellow writers and learning about their process. And I might have helped him design the cover, too. So that's coming up next week here on the show. And, of course, as I mentioned, at Rose City Comic Con, October is coming up with a whole bunch of haunted stuff and haunted activity. November is Nosferatu November, so vampire conversations. December is Dinosember, dinosaur movies. Not sure what's happening in January yet, but February is Frankenstein February. Tons of Frankenstein coverage and conversation is already in the works for February here on Monster Kid Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the show and follow along so you don't miss an episode. But it's okay if you do. Just go check out the archives and download and listen to it that way. Until next week, please remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.01 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Creepy, Crawler. That is copyright 2023. Mark Malibu and the Wasegas. Check out their album Haunted Hot Rod Beach Party to listen to this song, the rest of the songs on the album, and their six-part mini audio drama. It is called Haunted Hot Rod Beach Party, just like the album. So go check it out. It's a lot of fun. I dig the album. Big thanks to the band for letting us play them here on the show. Please check them out at markmalibuthewasegas.bandcamp.com to pick up the album, I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to their Facebook page, their Instagram, and their website, wasegas.com. That's spelled W-A-S-A-G-A-S.com. My name is Sarah Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week when we get down with the Beast from Haunted Cave. Ciao. <laughs>